Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Method to the Madness. I'm your host, Mitchie, and joining me is Patrick. Hey, hello. And we have our usual guest on, David. Uh, we've had you on for twice now, is that right, David? I think this is actually number four. We make this mistake every time because there was one. <laughs> oh, La La Land. Yeah, Casino La La Land, Land Casino Royale. Again, Brick, yeah. So this is number what? four. Um, no, you weren't yeah. on for Brick. <laughs> Was I not? No, I know. Oh, I bought... you recommended it. Yeah. This was the mistake. No, this is I because I, I listened to our Casino Royale episode a few weeks ago. We made this mistake there too, where we assumed I was on it because I told you guys <laughs> all of my opinions and influence you're watching. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So this is number three. Um, okay, number three. Anyway. The hat trick. So everyone should know David now. Anyway, um, I apologize for that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, getting to the actual topic of the podcast. This time we're going to cover. Quantum of Solace, the second Daniel Craig Bond film from 2008, directed by Mark Foster, starring Daniel Craig, Judi Dench, Olga Kuylenko, Gemma Arterton, and Matthew Amaric. That's a nice. lot of... Yeah, yeah. So anyway. many names. Yeah. Um, so the reason why we're doing this, I guess, is what we should get into first, is that <laughs> we did Casino Royale, I don't know, a few months ago. In fact, there was only like four podcasts ago, but it felt like it's a long time ago. It feels like a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched No Time to Die, and I really liked that film. I like, loved it, dude. I thought it was oh, so I'm, good. I'm so glad you like it. <laughs> I like, had legit. such a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, genuinely, it's fucking amazing. And I was like, all right, let's. I'll, I really want to talk about it, but why not just do all five of them? Because there's not that many to do. Well, she has. So Patrick mentioned this last week on Akira, but like, I don't know if you guys recorded fresh shit between now and then, but on the on the Akira episode, you guys, Pat mentions how this came to be, which is Patrick <laughs> and I were having some brews, yeah. and we were talking about as we always do. We start with like, "How's your life going?" And then after about twenty minutes, we're like, "Here are all of my red hot media crit opinions that I need to share with you." And after a few more beers, we were talking about. So Pat slyly sneaks in. He's like, he waits till we've like on our second beer tower. And he's like, yeah, so like, you know, we've been thinking about, we, we've been podcasting again. It's been really fun. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitchie really wants to, you know, he saw no, no Time to Die and he loved it. And then he left enough of a pause in the conversation, like kind of like gave me that look of like, <laughs> and you know what happens next. And I was like, oh, well, I had a really good time too. Um, and I'd love to talk about the other Bond films. And then Pat was like, cool. Let's do it. And like immediately, like, I'm not saying he got me drunk and took advantage of me, but like, here we are, media crit boys talking about a film. So. All right. It's yeah. well, good to know the story of how we, you, you both managed to sort that out. Yeah. Got to, got to get him a bit loose, <laughs> loosen him up first, you know? Yeah. Well, Cause I knew this film was coming. So I was really hesitant. <laughs> oh, yeah. But no, anyway, no time to die is awesome. And so good. Anyway, so this time is Quantum of Solace, unfortunately, which is probably the worst of the five. Although I actually don't hate it as much as some people might not like it, especially out of the three of us. When did this come out, Mitchie? You said two thousand nine. Eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah, Damn. and you got to You got to give it. You got to give it that. Um, what do you call it? The the benefit of it being like older shit and from a oh, crap the same, film. That's the same year as the Dark Knight, though. Oh, true. Oh, yeah, no, that's excuses. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. Um, <laughs> should we get into first impressions? Should we start with you, David? What, first impressions or second? I don't really give a shit. Just so, what do you think of this film. So when I first saw it, I really was pretty hot and cold on it. Like age, like when it first came out, I saw it and I was like, I don't. Okay. I, I I I didn't have any tooling back then to deconstruct it, but I kind of went, eh, that was fine. Like it was a fine action film. I had not watched it since. So I saw it once when it first came out and mm -hmm. watching it now, so many years later, I, my biggest thought coming out of it was like, 
so much of what's going on feels so unmotivated by like emotion or theme like it's a fine action flick and i had a good time with some of the action but but i guess my general takeaway is like it was cool and interesting but i couldn't really tell you the stakes of what was happening necessarily and i couldn't really tell you what was motivating a lot of the action until about an hour in which for a film that's two hours um is is a pretty lengthy time i still had fun yeah um and i you know and i like i like the the settings to an extent you know those that feel real um i like the acting but i i just overwhelmingly i'm not really sure what it's about and i think the film isn't sure either and that was my big kind of that's my big impression it's just like a big meh casino royale also had a similar issue too it did but at the at the very least i feel it at least it it sort of had a there there was a focus of subject at the very least in that where it was like poker was so centralized both thematically and literally right like you saw bond gambling with his life and with the mission um and they were all kind of were like foils for each other and they rhymed with each other um whereas with this like it didn't it didn't feel like the themes or the plot or the stuff occurring had much to do with each other. Um, and right. maybe that's what that, maybe that's what I mean more specifically. Okay. Um, if it felt very, uh, listless, maybe. So mm. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How about you, Pat? Yeah. So what you said, David, I, I think that I like Casino Royale a lot more since seeing this. It has, there's a coherence to Casino Royale that oh, is just, just you missing. Wait, mate. Just you wait. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. Well, no, Skyfall. From here on, it gets, like, I'm going to say very good. It, it, you know, some people don't like Spectre so much, but it's good. Anyway, sorry. I'm certainly very keen because uh, yeah. you guys love it so much. Um, but yeah, man, this, this movie is just, it's kind of like bland. And as you said, David, listless. Like, I don't, it doesn't know what it is. Like, what? Even the title, Quantum of Solace. What the fuck does that mean? Like, Quantum yes. of Solace <laughs> is mean? the... Like, what does the of solace bit mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, Quantum like, how, is the... How do you define com- that? Organization. It's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. it's like, it's... Well, it, it, it means, like, like many of alone. What? Mm. <laughs> Pat, did... I'm curious. Did you know anything about this going into it except our opinions? Like, did you know mm. anything about, like, what kind of film it was? No, I knew nothing other than, well, your opinions and the general, you know, internets about how this is kind of the worst of the Craig films, but I knew nothing. Um, Interesting. All right, all right. If, 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 if you want to know, there was a quote from Daniel Craig. Bond is looking for his quantum of solace. That's what he wants. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a lot of ambiguous, like, if the quantum of solace is zero, then love is dead. Like, the point is, it doesn't fucking mean anything. Like, <laughs> like as a, if you break down the word, two words, and try to identify exactly what that phrase means, you don't it's really more, it's come more to po- It's more poetic than literal. Yeah, but even when it's poetic, it's bullshit. Yeah, because this film it's like is bad nothing. Po- bad, bad <laughs> it's a bad poetry, poem. Yeah. yeah. This is like me in year 12 film, when I just try, I made a, I made a cool sounding title with like a, yeah. words that kind of made sense 100 yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. our podcast titles <laughs> no <laughs> that's clever actually actually it's the opposite they're uh, more highbrow than you uh, could understand yeah. you don't have enough iq to get it so <laughs> anyway, anyway sorry Pat, but yeah <laughs> um no but like uh, actually well, like because my bar was set so low i thought this film was all right i think the main thing i liked about it was <laughs> how it still carries the events of the previous film on its shoulders quite a yeah. bit like, um, it, it's still very focused on Bond's attachment to Vesper. Um, I'm glad I'm glad they didn't just throw that all away. I think the strongest part of this film is the is the casting and the performances. I think what Judy Judy Dench is interesting to watch. 
you know our boy yeah. bernard is interesting um, yeah Bernard's out there like, doing his thing man yeah man it's mainly because the cia is sort of like they're cast in a very clandestine light you know which is like pretty on par for the cia yeah david harbour nice seeing him uh before good, he was good moustache solid 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 moustache yeah it just sort of proves to me that he was always kind of good i thought the opening credits were kind of good i like that it's under two hours but mm. yeah i mean yeah. what i mm-hmm. suspect is are the reasons why this film is considered the black sheep of the series is because yeah the action kind of sucks there's way too many cuts i don't know what's going on the plot <laughs> is kind of way too convoluted um i watched this yeah, sober and i was still scene. lost yeah well the opera scene was the best part of i thought yeah but film, remember when they, he was chasing that dude through the kitchen yeah and like there were like literally like it was a cut every like 0.2 seconds or something <laughs> like, well, like they, 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 they were like anamorphic too where it was like they were blending the iris of this stage and then the actors on the stage and the action yeah all together <laughs> yeah. it was very it's a lot yeah and and like what what is actually happening in that scene like who he is chasing i, I was reading the plot summary and he it's like the bodyguard to like the PM or something, uh, like the PM's reporter or something. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, what? What? <laughs> I. Who the fuck is this guy? Like, he's uh, anyway. And doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh. And yeah. In spite of all that, in spite of it, fe- it feeling convoluted, it's it. At the end of the movie, it still f- all feels very inconsequential. Um. Which is probably speaks to what you're saying, David. It's just. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of bland. Uh, probably because of the the villain Green as well, but um. Yeah, overall, not the like a solid five out of ten. <laughs> yeah, that's generous, Mitchy. What love, was your rating? What's your vibe? How, what's your take? Uh, sorry, just to talk, talk about the inconsequentialism yeah. of it. I, I feel like this one and the film before were both sort of inconsequential, really, in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Aside from the fact that Vesper died. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I I feel like that was kind of the good thing. Like, like what's happening in this film is not particularly groundbreaking. Like, all it is is some Bolivian coup being planned and trying to steal some water and shit, right? But, like, that's kind of what Bond should be like. It, it makes yeah. sense that that's what the plot is because that's the kind of shit that, like, CIA care about. It's the kind of shit that MI6 care about, that they want to get involved in there and steal water, oil, or whatever. Like Yeah, but that's, kind a, of... that's in the real world, though, right? Like, like in the real world, like, their job is, like, destabilize governments and stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. not necessarily, like, an exciting... That's not, like, a Jason Bourne type... Yeah, but it doesn't to do. need to be. It doesn't need to be like some the world's at stake kind of plot. That's true. Yeah. Besides, so I, besides, there are other be. films for that in this pen pentology. That's, tr- so, that's yeah. true. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> what do you call it? Pentology. 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 How many films are there? Six. Five. Five. <laughs> well, Pent- I wouldn't have said pentology for <laughs> six films. Dude, I can't <laughs> count. Fuck off. <laughs> Is is a pentalogy something from like Mortal Kombat? Is that like a That's like Pentagon. That's like (laughs) Pentalogy. (laughs) I thought it was Pentology, but it's Pentalogy. Kind of Pentalogy. Anyway, I this film I don't really find that bad. I I watched it like four times, I think, which yeah, I don't know why. Um but like the first time I watched it was like you, uh David, except I was really young because when it came out I was ten. So you can stop um, calling me old now. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it gets a little bit better with a second or third view because the main problem with it is that the plot is a little confusing. Like you got this geologist dude that he, he, you know, fucking shanks in the neck and kills him. And you don't really understand what he has to do with anything. And if it's your first time watching it, you still don't understand what he's got to do with the plot by the end of the film. Right. But then you realize that he's the one that was surveying the land for water and stuff. 
and so I think that was his main problem is that it's, it's the plot and also it's just an underwhelming film like I kind of agree with you Pat like and well both of you that not much really happens in this but I think what really makes this film a little stronger is that it really sets up for the arc of James Bond in this pentology mm. um mm. you know like like yeah it's really good that they followed on straight from uh, Casino Royale and particularly with the story of Vespa, the story of uh, Felix Leiter, you know, Jeffrey Wright's character, you know, those things are carried on. And therefore we're building like a story that is not just within this movie, but also across all of the movies. Right. And this is the kind of the failure, which actually, I don't know if I should say kind of what sort of happens in Skyfall. Yeah. Let's maybe. Yeah. I was going to say if, if there is (laughs) like relevant, interesting, uh, like spoilers that need to be said. It's I don't. It's not mind really a spoiler. It's it's more I, the, of what's... the thing you're thinking. Yeah, the thing you're thinking, Mitchie. I think it's fine to say. I there's we'll talk because one of my big notes for this discussion is like it's world building of this film. The thing you're yeah. thinking of, Mitchie. I think you're fine. Yeah, say. it's about Vespa and Vespa and Felix Leiter. My two main points. Then then they don't really come into the story very much in the yes. next two films. Yes. Um, they, and they, they they get sidelined for a, a, a quite a long time. Yeah. In a way, especially in the in the chronology of the world, they don't show up again for a long time. Exactly. And and then they come back into it and it works so fucking well. And mm. so that's why Quantum of Solace is so important, along with Casino Royale. It's actually setting up the Bond story, the Bond pentology, which we don't really get in the next two films, despite those two films being arguably individually a lot better than this one. So... Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't talk too much shit about this film. It, it, it doesn't do a great job at conveying the story, conveying this arc of James Bond, but it does it nonetheless. And I think that's what's important about it. And also, yeah, I, I don't know, like, it just feels a little corny sometimes, this film, but I honestly think that's just because it was from 2008 and Casino Royale had similar issues too. I just yeah. don't know what it is, but why do films... Yeah, I know The Dark Knight came out in 2008, but, like, why do a lot of films from between 2000 2010 just don't feel right when you watch it now like the action <sighs> scenes are just like kind of shit corny just so i have good. i have like a theory about this which i think is probably contiguous with modern film craft yeah. which is so the 2000s were a weird era if you think about what was happening at that time from a, a special effects perspective you had george lucas and lord of the rings pushing the envelope of what could be done with cg and they were so wholly focused on how do we do um, non-real stuff in our film that looks real, right? And you look at the Lord of the Rings films, and they've aged tremendously well. Beautifully. Mm. And, 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 and even the third Star Wars film, as much as I have gripes with the narrative, that film looks incredible. Yeah. Like, you watch that film, it looks fucking amazing. And so one part of the industry is, like, pushing the dynamics of CG in a way that is, like... They're making films, you know, Lord of the Rings is is arguably one of the greatest trilogies of all time, both storytelling and visual effects wise. And then Lord of the, uh, and then Star Wars is sort of um, George Lucas using this silent film, as he calls it, which is Star Wars, to promote his technology to get people to buy in. So one half of the industry is so concerned with special effects that when it comes to the action film, it feels like there are two kind of buckets, right? One of them is like your kind of Jason Bourne, Dark Knight style, which is like 
this is the realest thing you've ever seen. You wouldn't believe it. This is the craziest shit ever. Like this, this ain't your grandpappy's action. Um, you know, it's, it's people like breaking chairs over each other. These and pencils for weapons and shit. <laughs> um, and th- this, this wants to be that, but without the budget, like you look at Jason Bourne and like, it works well because it's so well choreographed and sorry, and, without the budget with, sorry, other way around. It has the budget. And so it doesn't achieve it. Jason Bourne is cheaper. And so it has to be a lot more gritty and real. This, this costs more than Skyfall. <laughs> what? Yeah, on, it didn't cost. It on, didn't cost what more did they than spend the Spectre, money on, Mitchy? Spectre, Spectre and No Time to Die were more expensive, but not you Skyfall. Can you believe me? that? So, yeah, because Skyfall is the best one. What did they spend the money on? Uh, they had to build that. Sky, Skyfall is the best the individual film. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that next but, time. <laughs> <laughs> what did they spend the money on? Yeah, I don't fucking know the plane scene, but I'm pretty sure that was all CGI. No, the big Fuck. ass building in the desert. I, I'm pretty sure that's a real hotel that got abandoned. I feel like I read that somewhere. So unless they just spend a ridiculous amount of money buying it off the owner, then yeah, I don't know. I just think that it feels cheesy and corny because it was a it was an era post nineties where there was there was like authentic gritty where something felt realistic and kind of it, it had sticky friction of like these people look genuinely sweaty or hurt or challenged. And there's like Hollywood gritty where it's it's the affectation of that in an action scene. And one of them is where you cut quickly between stuff because you're doing a bunch of choreography really, really fast to get this thing out of the door within a certain amount of a time frame, which is what yeah. this film is. Um, that's what this film is. And then the other version of that is like we took our time and it's deliberate. Like it, I think it's the, the lack of deliberateness in the action and the lack of motivation behind it is why it feels so crap. Like the action's fine, but half of the action scenes as I was watching it yesterday, I was like, I don't. This is not it's motivated. Not it's like, there's just no reason for the scene to happen. It's like, well, Bond is in another location, time for an action scene. You contrast that with the, the future action of the series where everything is so deeply motivated by like some yeah. pressing need. Like it's, it's so prescient. Especially when, No Time to Die. Holy sp- shit. Yeah, where every like, piece of action... That's two and a half hours, that film, and it feels shorter than Quantum of Solace. It feels like you blink. Short, which is a you, short film. It's a short film. But that, that yeah. film, you blink and it's over because every piece of action is so urgent. There is, like, an urgent need for, like, the, the, the spasm of violence that occurs in that film is so needed and scary, and, like, there are stakes to everything. Whereas this was, like, Bond is an action... He's a, he's a, he's a plastic action man. He can't be harmed. Like, he's going to be fine. Um, and and we don't watch James Bond to not watch the action. We watch it for mm. the action. So the action needs to be really the the key pivotal scene. You know the good shit really. Um, and honestly, they're not. It's not very good shit in this film. So that's also why it's not great, I suppose. Yeah. All right. So we're already twenty five minutes in. Should we uh, <laughs> get into the plot? <laughs> like, what's yeah, even the fucking I- point? <laughs> anyway, let's just do it. <laughs> Shall I read the summary and pretend this has a story? <laughs> well, I tried to condense it as much as I could, but it kind of ended up being longer than I felt like it should have. So, anyway. <laughs> let's let's see if oh, the, the real litmus test is if if we don't recognize any of the names in this. Um, <laughs> okay, um, the film starts immediately after the events of Casino Royale, with Bond stuck in a high speed car chase with villains trying to take back Mister White, the man responsible for the death of Vespa, whom Bond has kidnapped. Bond gets to a safe house in Siena where M also is, and Mr. White talks of an, of an omnipotent organization not even MI6 are aware of. This happens just as one of M's bodyguards tries to assassinate her and Bond, revealing that MI6 is not watertight with their own personnel. 
Bond travels to Haiti to follow leads from the traitorous bodyguard and encounters Camille Montes, Dominic Green, and Bolivian General Medrano. Medrano is planning a coup to take over Bolivia, but requires Dominic's help, while Camille is trying to kill General Medrano after he murdered her family decades ago. Dominic, who is revealed to be part of a wealthy criminal organization by the name of Quantum, agrees to helping Medrano for a large plot of land in rural Bolivia that is supposedly worth nothing. Bond chases Green to Bolivia to ascertain the value of the plot of land. After crash landing in the middle of this area after a hasty dogfight, they discover the value of the land is in water and, and that Green is hoarding the water to capitalize on the drought in Bolivia. Bond travels to a hotel in the middle of the same desert where Green signs his deal to take the land from General Medrano in exchange for money with which he can bribe the Bolivian army and police force. Bond and Camille infiltrate the building, destroying it. Medrano is killed by Camille while Green is left to die in the desert. In the final scene, Bond finds the actual perpetrator for Vespa's death, Yusuf Kabira, who is doing the same to a Canadian intelligence officer. Bond hands him over to MI6 and symbolically parts ways with his tragic love for Vespa by symbolically throwing away the necklace that she gave to him. Nice. Nice. Yeah, Yo, that Mr. Was White, we got people everywhere. <laughs> we, get, we get people everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. White is actually a pretty critical character, so don't forget him, Patrick. <laughs> okay, I won't. Unfortunately, yeah. that's going to be a big deal. His, his um, daughter's hot. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? I forgot that happens. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yeah. She's, yeah, because every woman in Bond is hot as hell. Um, I suppose oh, I do fields in this movie. Oh. The first note that I've written in my notes for this is, um, this is the most messy, hot mess James Bond has ever been. That was like from the first scene where he just looks like a like he's just washed up from a drunken bender in the first few scenes. Like he just has this this like I've I haven't slept in two weeks look to him, and it's yeah, like he looks he's like that the whole fucking movie too. <laughs> like, when, like when he comes back from the desert with Camille, and somehow they found their way back to the hotel, and they're just like disheveled and dirty as fuck walking into the lobby. Like so funny. Yeah. Should we just talk about the first I thing? Have a- I got- I don't know. Yeah, I we can. Or I have a thing that I want to talk about that I think is pretty prescient with this. Um, All right. You mentioned it before, Mitchie. And like, so one of the challenges this film has is Casino Royale, as we talked about last time, redefines the framework of Bond. It says this is the modern mm-hmm. framing of this story. This is what we're dealing with. However, one of the things that film does not do is include modern technology in a very specific kind of way. The first thing I noticed is that the technology of MI6 we see is mm. so different and futuristic from the previous film. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's a good point. They yeah. have this crazy touchscreen, like, Tony Stark-type bullshit happening where they're, like, throwing stuff up on this... T- it's a crazy, like, futuristic-type, like... It's got some James Cameron Avatar vibes of the tech that they're doing. Um, and the, the, I, I don't know why, but it struck me so fundamentally from when we watched Casino Royale, because that film is, like... You know, they have it's it's modern day, but it's not it's not like this kind of technology. Bro, MI six obviously put in more funding to R and D since two thousand six. They they watched they watched uh, what what Dark Knight was doing with R and D. They're like, we did, could have a didn't Iron Man come out in two thousand eight? It might yeah, yeah. That might and MI six like, whoa, that that's a that's a good movie <laughs> and, and man, Tony Stark's got some pretty cool gadgets. Let's make those. Yeah, like well, when he wishes, wishes and swoops on the screens. In Casino Royale, he has that uh fancy car that gives him like a stim shot or some shit. Yeah, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I can well, get you that it's now. It's not that fancy. So it's just an adrenaline it, it shot just, in a car. Yeah, it was just a little, like, pop-out thing. <laughs> like, come on. Like, Mercedes <laughs> do that now. Like, that ain't the future. Like, <laughs> this is like some, like, they put a they put a, 
a hundred dollar bill on a touch screen and it scans it and like punches out a bunch of information yeah like yeah it just it just feels like a different type of technology landscape and what's interesting to me from a bond mythology perspective is we don't yet have a q right we don't have um john cleese's character in the originals which is q who is like the uh the provisioner of the gadgets and the gizmos the quartermaster um, the quartermaster because we haven't bridged that gap yet like we watched james bond uh in the previous film daniel craig run through a plaster wall to punch a guy um and beat the shit out of him in a bathroom <laughs> yeah um we're not yet we haven't yet married that to like and here is a um a fingerprint recognition pistol that only you can fire mr bond like we haven't got there yet it's like a stepping stone i think from a world building perspective you know e- even the fact that the the opera scene that you guys mentioned before they have earpieces where they're talking in the opera in a future Bond film, that is going to look really different and feel really different from a tech perspective. Um, it's going to be far far harder to detect, whereas this feels like, you know, MI6 is so ahead of the game. They have all of these crazy gaz- gadgets and gizmos at the headquarters, but none of it's mobile yet. None of it's deployable in the field. Yeah. And it feels like they're setting up the rest of this trilogy for like, okay, this tech is going to become portable. It's going to become deployable for Bond when we get our quartermaster. Um, and I, I just think like, from a world building perspective, it, it, it's doing a lot of things that will work well in the future. But for me, it felt really abrupt in its display of technology compared to the previous one. A hundred percent. It's not, doesn't feel right. Like it's not chronological at all. Um, but like, you know, the first film Casino Royale was very, like you said, punching through a plaster wall to beat a dude up. Like that pretty much summarizes the action slash gadgetry of that film. It's meant to be gritty. It is gritty. Because we've got this new bond and we want to show, you know, like we want to throw all those fancy gadgets and, and cool cars out the window, even though there was a cool car in Casino Royale. And yet they're kind of bringing it back in, in this one, I think. I think they're just trying to bring it back for whatever reason. You know, they're trying to bring back a little bit more of the old bond. And I think mm. one of the key scenes to that is the plane scene. Like Casino Royale didn't have any like crazily, you know, over the top action scenes, right? Which a lot of bond is about, like... I haven't seen many of the old Bond films, but, like, it's one where there's a big ski fucking fight scene or some shit, you know. Which one was that? That was one of the Sean Connery ones. You know, and they're skiing down and there's, like, ski resorts and they're blowing them all up. There's one where he he hand glides on a surfboard (laughs) on a tsunami wave. (laughs) Yeah. Or the North Korean lasering the entire planet from a satellite. That's always the one I remember. Anyway, it's over the top, right? And, And the plane scene feels like that. Like, you know... They're in a plane. They get shot down by other planes and they jump out of that plane and fall for like 20 seconds down through a hole and then pull the parachute like a split second beforehand and somehow survive. You know, like it's it's pretty it's pretty over the top action that we haven't seen in Casino Royale. And I think overall it's trying to do that, trying to bring back some of the old things. Just doesn't really work. Maybe that's where the that's where the budget went, maybe. Into the like, plane scene you know or the what I mean? gadgets? Into the action, well, into into the into the action scenes, like the stunts. But that was the only the like intense action scene. The rest were kind of. I mean, the the boat, the boat stunt yeah. scene. They did mostly. Yeah, that was true. Yeah, that was almost all yeah, practical. So like that, that's yeah. Um, well, my, Pat, what did you think? What did you think of the action? Because like, I mean, Mitchy and I think it's ratchet. Clearly, <laughs> what what was your take? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of numb to it at this point. Um, <laughs> that that i've i've had like so much good action come out in the in the decade that that oh, you know, went after this 
Um, yeah, as I said, like, there's just way too many cuts. I just don't know what the fuck is going on. I like that. Yeah, that plane scene was pretty tense. Um, if, but then as soon as they, as soon as they start falling down the crater <laughs> and they still haven't pulled the parachute, I was like, all right, <laughs> all right, buddy. And then, and then they <laughs> happen to be in the cave that leads them to the water and shit. Mm, like, yeah. Yeah. There that yeah. has some of that, um, that Star Wars episode nine syndrome. That's, um, you and Darth talk Big about. energy where <laughs> everything's connected. <laughs> This used to be a riverbed. Green isn't after the oil. He wants the water. We can't leave it like this. One dam. He's creating a drought. Never built others. So, I think what this film does well is that it's a film about remorse and um, grief. It's Bond's grief film. It's probably one of the only gr- Bond films where Bond experiences grief, right? Um, I mean, I haven't seen the old ones, but I, I would, I'd bet like a reasonable amount of money that there's probably no grief in any of the previous films. Ex- At least experience, yeah. Experiences yeah. in quotation marks grief. It, I'm reminded of that. I don't know what it's from, but it's um Daniel Radcliffe and Adam Driver in a movie together. And there's this scene where Daniel Radcliffe is like, "Whatever happened to you know the the old idea of being macho? Where like think of James Bond. We are the only emotion you ever saw out of him was a slight uh, s- smile at the corner of his mouth to suggest like a hidden em- like emotional pain or some <laughs> shit, some shit like that." And yeah, that's, I don't know, that's what I was thinking about this whole film. Like, it's meant to be about him, you know, uh, James Bond secretly not being over Vespa, but he's just so stoic throughout. Well, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, he doesn't cry at all over Vespa. <laughs> I don't think but he ever does. But he's, he's drunk the whole time. Yeah, like, exactly. He's yeah. So always the plane drunk. Scene, the plane scene, you know, when he's up with him all and, night. With him, is is that with him and Mathers, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's drinking a Vespa go- cocktail. That's what the bartender referred to because, remember, yes. she made that cocktail in the first movie. Yes. Now, he's obviously drinking that because he misses her. This seems like a kind of thing that James Bond would do normally, just stays up all night drinking alcohol. But now we've got a concrete reason why he's doing it because he's experiencing grief over the death of Vespa. And but it's, it's, it's also with Mathers, the guy that he previously blamed. Like he, yeah. Which there's a connection to Vespa there. Too. Yeah, like, yeah. and and the fact that Mathers comes with him, and later we, you know, Mathers gets gets killed. Obviously, there's a vulnerability there that's starting to show that we've really rarely seen with Bond in his previous exactly. incarnations. Yeah, and when Mathers dies too, he also says like, "Can you forgive me and Vespa?" You know, like like it, it, the the whole film, and then at the end of the film, um, uh, when Camille and uh, Bond kiss in the car. And she says, I, I wish I could set you free, but your prison is in there in, in his own head. And, yeah. and, you know, obviously he's he's getting to the point where he's got to understand to get o- he's got to get over this grief. And then by the end, at the very last second of this film, he drops a necklace, right? Symbolizing that he's over that. This film is just a film about grief. And I'm not sitting here justifying that it's a good film and that it does a good job at, at portraying this grief. But it is portraying this grief, which is pretty unique for James Bond. 
And therefore, then I'm going to say that it's not total shit. It's actually trying to do something which not even like Spectre does. So it's and, it's, know, prob- it's probably even film. it's probably even unique for like action films writ large. Um, yeah. And I guess on that note of grief and letting go of Vespa, one thing that um, I think is really critical, this film nails really well, um, is something that, you know, my therapist has talked about a lot, I think is a really critical psychological apparatus, is a lot of people expect closure to be external, where it's like, if only I could talk to my ex-partner about XYZ and finally understand why that happened, or if only this thing happened, I could finally move on. The thing this film seems to understand, um, at least psychologically, is that closure comes from within yeah um you have to you have to work it out yourself you have to you know kind of come to the conclusion like bond does of he doesn't kill the guy who he wants to kill so badly he has to actually accept that he can't change the past and he has to move on and that you know it's a bit heavy-handed leaving the the necklace in the snow but it works really well symbolically yeah yeah because the film is about vengeance right as well and both with camille and james and yeah, you're right. Like he's he's kind of learning, I guess, that he can't just do what he wants to do, go and kill the guy that killed Vesper. He's got his duty to adhere to. And mm. you know, again, it's a film about Bond learning what he should be, what he is as an agent for MI6. You know, and, and uh, yeah, and that's what Anne says. She's like, I need you back. And he goes, I never left. And he genuinely didn't. No, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But and these things that they're not in some of the better films in, in the five, you know, pentology. So, you, you know, like for you, Pat, right, you haven't seen the other films. And, you know, my advice would be to anyone who's just only watched up to this point is that these two films are actually pretty important. So don't forget them, even though they're not great, because they, they will build up to something at the end. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with both of you that I my, one of my favorite things about this film is that it does it does it like it does the thing about grief and you know to the degree of which it actually like ropes you in emotionally is like you know it's questionable but <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I like that it, it's there you know it's trying it. yeah 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 and and that's all right everyone gets a fair shot <laughs> yeah fair, give it a give game. it a crack can, I, I have two other things I want to talk about really quickly and then we can then I have like a list of things that bothered me, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the other the other note I had in my in my comments is um, Green's plan is to create a drought, um, which is very old school James Bond. Like this is like real espionage type stuff that you're gonna see show up in shows like Archer, which are parodies of this, Dude, where it's I like. Quit. Sorry, I was just gonna say, like, w- after watching this film, Archer makes a lot more sense to me now. But yeah, sorry, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad it does. Um, where it's real pedestrian, like this isn't like sexy, like we're stealing oil. It's like we make people pay more money for for water so we can achieve some other means. I think it's very representative of how the real world works, and I appreciate if clumsily this film is trying to target some stuff in a post in a post nine eleven. Uh, I, I guess. Um, Bush era conservative paranoia landscape where there is an assumption that every government is out there plotting and hatching schemes. It's why we kind of see the CIA be portrayed in the way they are. It's why we get the Canadian government's version of intelligence agency. There is this kind of idea of paranoia that's creeping back in that, that was sort of obviously seeded during the Cold War. Um, and particularly, you know, in that post-World War II era, really richly and you see that you see that you know incidentally in tolkien's writing in lord of the rings the idea of every government is friends with each other but they're always behind the scenes plotting something 
And also, like, this film lacks really rudimentary requirements of the genre. Like, we never get a speech in praise of the villain. No one tells us how scary Dominic Green is. No one, t- you know, he never well, he doesn't even it. look scary. He's a little bitch. He's a little fucking yeah, gremlin. He yeah. Remember, remember, yeah. <laughs> remember <laughs> how he's um, going, at, going at James Bond at the end and the screams? He's like... Other, like oh my god like 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 these weird shrieks like i've in my notes during that fight scene i've written dominic green is a bad man who sucks to watch what a little gremlin <laughs> literally gremlin is the right word yeah he's just he's gross just, yeah um, he's, he's fucking rank sweaty gross man but like but like you know there, there are things you need in a james bond film and i've talked about this before which is like you need you need the someone to, to whether it's a villain or someone else speech and praise of the villain Tell us why they're so menacing. And the crucial scene we never get in this film, and it drives me crazy, it's in every other Daniel Craig Bond film, is the hero is captured by the villain. The hero at the mercy of the villain, right? Previously, we had Daniel Craig in a chair getting his balls whipped, right? You need the hero to be at the mercy of the villain. And that's when they explain their plan. And they say, Bond, you know, uh, I expect you to die. You know, like they, they need to have that moment of like, this is my emotive reason for doing the things I'm doing. Why is Dominic Green creating a drought to destabilize this government? And how does that relate to the emotional struggles of James Bond? I don't know because the film doesn't have that scene. Yeah. That we need, like it, it is a requirement of the genre James Bond invented. And, and I, it's yeah. I think that yeah the 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 James Bond part of the movie his story works all right but definitely the villain is total rubbish that mm. that is the biggest downfall of this film is the the villain side of it just there isn't anything there to work with at all and you know how like when they find his body they find motor oil in his stomach because that's what James Bond gave to him like it's supposed to be like you know symbolic or like shot. poetic. Well, that, what? that's because he, he, dr- mm. he drowned Green, fields. Green, though, right? Green was found with two bullets in his skull. That's yeah, what yeah, he he, yeah, but his body, his stomach was full of motor oil. Cause... Yeah, so who shot him? Oh, is that meant to be oh. like a mystery? Ooh, I sh- ooh, ooh Pat, who enough. could have shot him? Ooh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, that, I was wondering about that. But... It was me. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck his David all along. Out there um, in the desert. <laughs> yeah, but so they find motor oil in his stomach. It's meant to be poetic, but... He what his plan was never about oil. Like it was just what he was telling people. <laughs> yeah, but, but, like, but the the reason Bond does that is because he because Green killed Fields by drowning her in oil. Yeah, which again, why? Like oil was never anything about anything. Because oh, yeah, no, drowning no, that, Fields that, in that, oil didn't a, make any sense. No, well that's a red herring because everyone still thinks it's about oil. No one's discovered. Yeah. yeah okay. No, oh, no one except okay. Bond has discovered that it's about water yet. Wait, no, 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 no. Hang on. That was no. That was after the that, painting. Yes, because no one except Bond has discovered it's about oil yet. Only Bond knows it's about oil. Uh, sorry, it's about water. So uh, in, it's a red herring in the plot, not for the in audience. The, not yeah, for yeah. the audience or Bond, because he knows better. Yeah. So in in the plot, it's it's them trying to keep MI6 hoodwinked to think that Bond is on this revenge quest still, and also that it's still about oil. Like they're, they're playing yeah, two I, angles. Yeah, but Pat, you want you want Bond to give him water at the end? Like, no, that's, okay, that's the last thing he wants to give him. <laughs> I didn't consider that it was revenge for um, Fields, so, but that makes sense to me now. Yeah, yeah, um, I would have given him a fresh can of Pepsi. Um, <laughs> Pepsi, given him you can find you you can find a <laughs> can of Pepsi at your local Seven Eleven. Um, Go to your local 7-Eleven now. They're open 24 hours, seven days a week. 7-Eleven, the convenient way to get your snacks and drink. 
Yeah, nice. Oh, do we get I'm not, money I'm not, for this no, now? The, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sponsored by 7-Eleven. I just want to be. If you're out there, 7-Eleven, hit me up. Three measures of Gordon's gin, one of vodka, half a measure of quinoa, which is not vermouth. Shaken well until it is ice cold, then served with a large, thin slice of lemon peel. Six of them. That's impressive. How good you should have one. No, it'll just keep me awake. So what's keeping you awake? I was wondering why you came with me. It takes something to admit you were wrong. You want to sleep in pill? No. Pain pill? I have pills for everything. One scene I want to call out very quickly and then we can wrap up is there is, so the scene when we were just talking about it, the scene when Bond comes back from the desert and he confronts M, mm. there's a really small detail that I think sets up the series dynamic of these two characters super well, which is that Bond walks in and he's like, oh, that's what she meant by the note. And then Bond tells M that the girl isn't part of everything that's happening. And M immediately yep. believes him, like without hesitation. She's like, yep, I let it let go. Let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- there's this curious trust between them that will become important later on. But I like how well these two actors have chemistry in that moment where you completely believe Bond's conviction and M's reaction. It, it plays so well and so coherently. Um, I, I, I just really appreciate the, um, the, the consistency there of like, this becomes their dynamic moving forward. Um, and you can see them growing as compatriots and as colleagues and as friends. Like you can see that working. I, 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 I just I love- think it's, yeah. I love that line when him and Camille in the plane are talking. Camille's like, is she a mum? And Bond's like, yeah, she likes to think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I must good. admit that's probably the better part of the, one of the good aspects of the film. The Judy world-class Dench actor and... Judy Dench is incredible. Yeah, and yeah. Daniel Craig working yeah. together. Yeah. It's such good chemistry. Like, it works so well. Which, which yeah. we'll see go to different ends later. But yeah, it really does. Yeah. To your yeah. point at the very start, like Mitchie, like the actors in this, the casting is phenomenal. Like everybody in it is great. Um, I think it was just, Pat. Was it Pat? I don't know. Yeah. Um, whomever said <laughs> that, um, <laughs> I, I, I do really like their, their chemistry and I'm excited to see where it goes next. Um, well, you know and, exactly and how it where it goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to re-remember when we, when we re-watch them. Yeah, yeah. We were at the bottom of the valley and now we're going up from here on. Much like the plane they crashed. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's intentional. Um, it's a metaphor. One thing I wanted to say was, <laughs> what do you guys think of the opening song in this? Kind of um, rips. <laughs> it's pretty good, I eh? I forgot. Can I, guys, can I tell you an embarrassing thing about me? What? Yes. This is going to make me sound really old. I purchased this song on iTunes <laughs> after I walked out of the theater so I could listen to it. Oh it is God. pretty good. <laughs> it, I'm pretty sure it got nominated for awards and shit. Like it, yeah. it, it really feels like 2008. I like how it's like this so kind of much. punk symphonic. Rock. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, like it's just yeah. like this like bombastic. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it feels like what the movie should have gone for. That the feel of that song. Yeah. I feel like is is ideal for what the film should have done. Yeah. But instead, what they tried to do was go for a more of a cinematic skyfall kind of feel to the movie you know and so in in the next three three movies the three songs that we have in that are all very kind of cinematic serious you know Mm. um kind of songs and 
the two before these two, sorry, uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace are both very similar. This kind of rocky punk fun mm. almost kind of rock song, right? And I feel like there's a real big distinction between these two films and the next three films. The next three are so like huh. serious and, you know, we're building up to something big and, and it all works pretty well. While these first two films are kind of with the music in the songs that it's, it's, it's very fun. And I feel like the movie should have just kind of committed to a little bit more how the songs are, you know, I hadn't even, like it, I hadn't noticed that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, I mean, Skyfall, like everyone knows that song. That's like, you know, a big deal song. Isn't it? A, that's fucking, Adele, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone loved that when it came out, you know, and, and it really encapsulates the film very well. I think, yeah. Um, Spectre as well. And then no time to die. Um, you know, Billy Eilish's song and, and works so well with the movie, so but, well. but this song does not work well with the movie. Because I don't know, it just the song is better than the movie, in my opinion. Well, like for two dollars, for two dollars ninety nine, Nichi, you can have it on your iPod Nano. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> so, iPod Nano, holy shit! I had one of those too. <laughs> yeah, and an iPod Nano video, exciting. Anyway, I, I I really do like the song in this, and I think we should keep as we move through the series, we should we should keep keeping the song in mind because I haven't really thought about that as a part of the oeuvre that's really yeah. interesting do, do you remember the first one too it's it's similar to this it's just a it, yeah it's it's, it's rocky song. kind of like this is late 90s like, we get the yeah it's like seven Avril nation Levine army yeah, the yeah, Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. some mix between like it's it, you know it, it's it feels like pop music while the next three feel like movies they feel like you know? operatic yeah, yeah. Cinematic kind of. Well, they they, yeah. they feel they feel like someone has gone to Billie Eilish and to Adele and said write a Bond song, whereas these other ones feel like write a song that's contemporary to the mode of music right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think in 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 that way, those those two songs are different, and there there must have been some massive cultural change in the Bond studios or whatever between two thousand eight and two thousand twelve because Hugely the next three so. films are so yeah. different. These first two. And the next three are just completely separate, from, like franchises almost. You know, we'll we'll talk about it when we cover it. I'll, I'll bring a bit of research to the next one to just to just to try and understand why that change occurs and mm. probably why it's for the better as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I think maybe like like you were saying before about how the two thousands had this shitty Hollywood grittiness. It just got better too over that period. Yeah, yeah the films got better. Right in Skyfall. Well, the ca- like cameras get way more affordable very very quickly. Yeah, um, it, just, like, it, look, yeah. it looked like shit on my TV, this film. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm watching I was on watching, Stan. I was watching a 4K on, like, the highest quality that my Blu-ray... This is embarrassing. So, I have a Blu-ray of this film. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I feel It's so on Stan. Old. I, because, so, because I bought it when the... And it doesn't matter. I bought it when the Blu-rays first came out. I have a lot okay, of Okay, look, I, I, would, I would probably get No Time to Die on 4K because, you know, that, I really like that film. Quantum of Solace... I don't know what talking about. It was on special. Anyways, probably cost you like so, twenty bucks too. So I, I popped it. I popped it in my PlayStation Five, and I watched it on my TV. And let me tell you, looks like shit still. Yeah, like it's not a good. It doesn't film. matter. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Like I was watching it on Stan, and Stan's usually got decent quality, and it's only 1080p. But like, I don't know. It's just saying about like the like obviously it's it's filmed on analog film, right? But it just kind of doesn't look good. Like the graininess to it just looks like shit. Post processing is it, is it digital good. and then they graininessed it? Like I, I don't know what's going well, on. Oh, I would it not just put doesn't that look good. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't look too flash. But then after this, everything looks amazing. So yeah, 
No. I really couldn't tell. I thought it looked alright. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what she meant. I hope you can trust these men. Just a moment. It's Tanner. Yes. We've got the girl downstairs. She says to tell you she's sorry, but this is not her fight. It isn't. Let her go. She isn't our concern. I'm disappointed. You are? How much oil did the Americans promise you? This isn't about oil. Well, that's good, because there isn't any. It's about trust. You said you weren't motivated by revenge. I'm motivated by my duty. No. I think you're so blinded by inconsolable rage that you don't care who you hurt. When you can't tell your friends from your enemies, it's time to go. All right. Um, we usually do a recommendations. So, I don't know. I have, have one. I, yeah, okay, what is it? So, I, so thinking about what this film is trying to do, I, <laughs> I was thinking of a better version of this. <laughs> so, my recommendation is Enemy of the State. It's a, it's a Will Smith joint. Uh, it's from like 97, oh, I think. What is, what is that again? Basically, so the, the setup is that the NSA has killed a congressman who's like in on their plans to spy on the world. And they, 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 they film the whole thing. Like it's, it's all caught on video. And what yeah. they do is they, they plant the video on Will Smith's character and they kind of set him up as the patsy. Okay. Um, and so, and they, they slowly try and pick apart his life. And so it's got this like Hitchcockian vibe where his whole job, he's got to clear his name, work out what's going on and like keep his family safe. But the way it works is really interesting where like you kind of see, um, it's the sort of thing where like, you know, he'll, cause it's the nineties, like he'll be going to cross the street and he'll see some people on the other side of the road and have to like backtrack and go find some other option. And every time he thinks he has an option that he can pursue, there's some obstacle. And it, it just, it's, it's a fucking tremendous film. Um, is it good? It's so good. Like, like tremendous it, isn't good. Yeah. Tremendous. Like it, it's probably like one of the better spy films that exists. Like it's so great. Um, dude, what a cast Regina King and Jack Black. It's incredible, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Enemy of the State, big top pick. Um, also, Atomic Blonde. I'm going to recommend it every single time we talk about I, James yeah, Bond. Yeah, I, yeah. So, do you like Atomic Blonde? Mitchie Froth's for Atomic I Blonde. I love Atomic Blonde. I watched it again the other day, and people... I, I used to, like, really like that film. I right? like one of my favorite films. And everyone's like, that movie too. sucks. And then it's I watched great. it again, and I'm like, it kind of does suck. I haven't rewatched it, so... It's 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 good, but it's also not good. Like, okay, interesting. Uh, the soundtrack's good, the action's good, but I don't know. There's just something about it that feels very forced. Interesting. I could see that. G give yeah. it another. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, no, I, I, I could, I could so see that. Yeah. Oh, um, but it's got one of my favorite action scenes. You know, that bit on the stairs at the end, all in one shot. <laughs> That's great. That yeah. is so great. Yeah. Huh, okay. Well, maybe just Enemy of the State then. <laughs> That's my recommend. Great film. Good no, no, out. Atomic Blonde too. Yeah, good fun. It's good. Yeah. Charlie Theron just kicking bad guys. It's fantastic. And, and banging 80s soundtracks set in God, East and West so Germany. Good. It's just the, the, the setting of it is what gets me too. So good. Do you have a recommendation, Pat? Um, not really. I mean, watching this just reminded me of how like how perfect um, the Mission Impossible films mm, are, like the later mm -hmm. ones. So watch them. Well, I'm, I'll recommend it to you, Mitchie, because you haven't fucking watched it. Oh, I've Dude. seen up to um, what's the one with the Burj Khalifa? Ah, uh, with Leia Sedu. Oh, dude, five is so good. Four. Yeah, what, dude, why the, are we giving five him and fucking six numbers? Just like, five and six are incredible. 
<laughs> this is like when people give Call of Duty games numbers. It's like like Call of Duty <laughs> 7, 8, which is meant to be like Black Ops 2 or 3 or something. And just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Just call it by its name. I was driving through the... It's Ghost, Ghost Protocol, Black right? That's, That's the one with Burj Khalifa. I don't know. Uh, that yes. sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the fourth one, Go watch one, yeah. Mission Impossible Fallout. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's wrap this yeah, up. Can you, can you plug us, Pat? All right. Um, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Um, visit our website at amttm.com. If you have any questions, queries, or insights, mail them to uh, mail at amttm.com. I kind of want to know like what people think of... Um, I, like, I really want to know what people think of Quantum of Solace as the second film in this series. We have to set up a world here. I think that's what I'm really curious about is, is how people take that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's good that we're doing it like this in order because, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I like that you're giving them time to breathe as well. Like we thought about it for a while. Let's come back. Let's do the next one. So yeah. I was thinking every four weeks because yeah. I think we're, re- we're releasing a, something every two weeks. Like fortnightly? Yeah, we, we could just yeah, do it yeah. on a, a four-week cadence. So yeah. every two fortnights, yeah, we can do the next Bond film. Yeah. Which leaves a question... What are we doing next time, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um... <laughs> I don't think 2001, uh, I'm not ready for that yet. Let's leave that on the back burner. Yeah. Uh, David, you got a, um, got any recommendations for us? I would suggest do the Batman. Um, yeah, fucking earth. I, I want to watch it. You'll, you'll both have... I haven't seen it yet. You'll both have stuff to say, I'm sure. All right, don't, so... Don't make the Batman? Mistakes. Do the Batman. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I just want to hear your guys' thoughts, to be completely honest. All right, so after... 10 minutes of discussion that will be edited out of this podcast. Mm-hmm. We've decided to go with the Batman for next time. The new one by uh, Matt Reeves. Who is that? Starring Robert Pattinson. He did uh, Planet of the Apes. So Matt Reeves' biggest famous thing was Cloverfield. Oh. That was, it. That was how he got started. If that oh. helps. I watched Dude. Cloverfield Paradox the other day. What a, what a fucking Sorry. wild film. What? No, that's a joke. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Batman. All right, I'm keen. Bit of Robert Pattinson and... Uh, Robert Batten-Bats. And Bernard Kravitz. again. Oh, yes! Is, is that... Isn't he, is he Commissioner he's, Gordon? He's Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. And who's oh, the Penguin? Is, is the Penguin... Um... Wait, the oh, Penguin's dude. in it. No, no, no. Wait. Sorry. No, Colin Farrell, isn't it? Oh, shit. I was going to say... Don't say it. Don't say it. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah join us next time for the batman i'm not saying that again because i've already said it so what do we need to say now to just just say thanks for this? listening this is the end of the show <laughs> turn your podcast feed off go do what you were doing before the show's over go home yeah yeah imagine that. david in a robe saying that and was, thanks for listening oh what bye. film was that where it happens at the end Stop where it's bueller's day off <laughs> the show's no no over. it's a new one it's a new film I watched it in the cinemas like a year ago or two. What are you yeah, talking can we, about? Can we, we end the, the show? Has to end. We can't. This can't. This right, can't right. be happening. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank what you David for listening. Said, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. See you later. <laughs>